I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of November 2021, and uh, it's just me today, folks. Uh, I no co-host, so no Kyle, and uh, no special guest hosts this time around. Uh, however... Uh, I'd like to take a minute uh, to celebrate a little uh, theatrical edition of Catching Up on Cinema. Um, I and the girlfriend uh, went out uh, to check out Sylvester Stallone's uh, Rocky IV, Rocky vs. Drago, The Ultimate Director's Cut. Um, this was, of course, a Fathom event. Um, this was a MGM production. Uh, essentially what this is, uh, if you haven't been following this story, I... I certainly have because um, recuts of films are a, a personal uh, subject of interest for me. Um, but in addition to that, the Rocky franchise, um, if you haven't been listening to the show, um, is is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I, I was raised on the Rocky films. Uh, my dad's from Philly. Uh, I kind of had a lot of like father-son bonding uh, come through the the mutual viewing experiences of sitting down to watch the Rocky movies and, you know, have my dad point out uh, the sights and sounds of the neighborhood in which he was raised. Um, Point is, these these movies are incredibly important to me, but um, the story uh, that I had alluded to earlier uh, behind this production um, is that this is a recut. Uh, This is a re-edited version of Rocky IV. Uh, which, of course, was also directed by Sylvester Stallone, uh, came out in 1985, and it was very much a product of its time. Um, In that same line of thinking, um, it was very much a product of its time. However, uh, one thing that is curious about it uh, is that it does stick out from the pack somewhat. Uh, That is the original cut of Rocky IV. Um, Texturally and tonally, uh, it's a little more hokey. It's a little bit more goofy. It's a little louder. There was probably quite a bit more cocaine on the set uh, during production of Rocky IV than in Rocky films previous. Um, And as such, it's a louder, uh, more gaudy, um, much more uh, like MTV style film. Like, like it's, it's kind of regarded as essentially a 90 minute music video, the original cut of Rocky IV. Um, That is not at all a bad thing. Uh, In fact, uh, as far as I understand, uh, Rocky Four was probably the most profitable of the Rocky franchise, um, and to this day remains probably the most beloved uh, in mainstream circles, uh, largely just because of its its crowd-pleasing zaniness. Um, it's Essentially, it's the one that made the rounds the most often on the cable networks over the years. I, I know for a fact, like I, I've seen it countless times on any number of ca- cable networks over the years. Um, and I think it's very fitting uh, that it saw its release in uh, November uh, because somehow over the years, uh, probably due to those cable replayings of not just Rocky Four but the entirety of the Rocky franchise, um, for whatever reason, Thanksgiving and Rocky go hand in hand, man. They're like they're like peas and carrots. They're like peanut butter and chocolate. It just it just goes together. Uh, so for whatever reason, I, the whole country, myself included, we, we've kind of associated Rocky with Thanksgiving. So uh, November 11th is nowhere near close to Thanksgiving. However, it does fall within November. So it, it seems like a very fitting uh, release date for this project. Um, and it is most certainly a project. Um, 
This is not something I think anybody was asking for. However, uh, I'm kind of glad we got it uh, because, as I said, uh, I mean, I wasn't asking for this. I'll I'll just say that much. I I can't pretend that I was. But um, for whatever reason, over the years, I've discovered this about myself, that um, maybe it's because I've been doing some film editing of my own uh, over the years, Uh, not like film productions or anything but I've you know I've I've dabbled with cameras I've messed around with with video footage and I've I've really become enamored with the editing process and it's something that I I it's translated into the way I absorb films um having firsthand experience cutting them together myself um and as such I I'm I'm always fascinated uh, to see different versions of films that we all know and love uh, because I, I know how much significance uh, just a single cut can make. Um, it can entirely change uh, the meaning of a scene. It can change the the tonality of a scene. It can change the emotional intensity. Um, these are these are things that are tantamount to the success of a film. Like like a film is an incredibly delicate organism. It's actually kind of interesting, like how how little tiny snippets here and there can make an absolute world of difference. So, um, as I said, the official title of this project, and uh, this was a one-night-only theatrical screening event. However, as far as I understand, and unfortunately, I was not aware of this until uh, I was in my seat and had already paid for my ticket, um, this this cut of the film will be available uh, to rent or uh, purchase digitally, I think, starting tomorrow. Uh, that would be November 12th. Um, but anyway, uh, where should I start with this guy? Okay. So, um, spoiler, spoilers alert, um, catching up on cinema, we, we generally spoil everything. I'm not going to talk about this film in, in a hundred percent, like frame by frame detail. I don't think there's a real point to that. And I am recording this like immediately after getting home. Uh, so this is just like fresh out of the theater thoughts, but, um, the, uh, the theater experience of watching this, I don't know if a, a rental or a digital purchase of this will yield that, but um, when you first sit down in the theater, uh, the very first thing that happened was uh, a live Q&A uh, with Sly Stallone himself uh, in the city of brotherly love in Philadelphia. Um, I'd been following his Instagram and seeing that he was uh, headed over there in the past couple of days. So as far as I could tell, um, they did a live Q&A in a theater, and then I'm not sure if they had screened the film earlier or if the film was to follow the Q&A. But um, anyway, there's this, this lovely, I don't know, maybe half an hour conversation with Sly. Um, I think it was Ben Mankiewicz. Uh, I, I could be getting the first name wrong. It was definitely a Mankiewicz uh, who, who interviewed him. But it was a solid interview. Uh, I, I find Stallone to be a, an endearing public pers- persona. Um, he, he does have a a tendency to spin yarns. Like you can tell he does have a showman in him. Uh, you have to take most things he says in public, uh, with a, with a grain of salt. Um, but he seemed very genuine here. And, uh, I feel like most of the points he made, uh, when questioned, um, regarding his intent, uh, with, with the recut of this movie, uh, actually rang true. Um, in general, it seemed like the objective was to, craft a version of Rocky Four that was texturally and tonally uh, more similar uh, to the films released prior. 
Uh, so that would be Rocky one through three. Um, and to that end, I think it was I think it was largely successful. There's certain aspects of it that um, you couldn't really avoid unless you unless you really really went into the nitty gritty, like went into the deep water of recutting this thing. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. But um, the main thing, the main takeaway from that interview is that uh, Stallone acknowledged, like he he felt like he was in a hurry, uh, not just in getting the project done, the original uh, theatrical release of Rocky IV, but um, he was hustling too much in terms of the the pace of the film. Uh, he he said he felt guilty of. Uh, f- lacking confidence in his audience and their attention spans uh, he felt it's 1985 everybody's on cocaine uh, the music's got a, a dance beat to it uh, we gots to go uh, so his his approach to editing the original theatrical cut of rocky for as far as i can tell like he he ad- admits to maybe being a little hasty and and maybe nudging things along too fast and maybe resorting uh, to montage a little too frequently um i don't judge that film for any of the things i just said i think that that is that film's identity it is what it is and i think most people appreciate all of those aspects to it however as i said at the top of this recording um it did result in a film that does does stand out like when when compared like shoulder to shoulder with with the previous rocky films it does make a spectacle of itself that is to say rocky 2 bears a very very strong resemblance to rocky 1 rocky 3 bears a fairly strong resemblance to rocky 2 and then we get to rocky 4 and you compare it to rocky 3 it's like this is a different beast and so on and so forth so i i think i think the objective of maybe trying to make something more similar in in texture and tone to that which came before it i i think they largely succeeded at that. However, there is kind of a distinct cutoff point where that stops becoming true. Um, but one other thing that he said during that Q&A was that um, he also uh, felt some more spotlight deserved to be shed on uh, Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed. Um, he even fessed up to feeling guilty about having killed off that character um, because, as he said himself, as a writer much like in the world of like superhero comics or something if you kill a character if you remove a, a critical piece from the board uh that gives you that that much less fewer options uh for stories and narratives going forward so he he confessed to maybe like maybe it would have been better to have him just be like like in kickboxer jean-claude van damme's kickboxer maybe have him be critically injured or paralyzed from the waist down or something as opposed to dead um, however, you know, at the end of the day, the end result of Apollo Creed's passing in this film, uh, his death at the hands of uh, Ivan Drago, um, the end result of that gave us Creed 1 and 2, uh, two, th- two films that I think are absolutely phenomenal. Um, the second one, I've, I, I say it every chance I get, man, Creed 2 did not have to be nearly as good as it is. I still would have loved it anyway, and yet I'm continually blown away, blown away, that is, um, uh, every time I rewatch that movie, because it, it's it it pulls off this really amazing trick of like paying homage to and and like sneakily retreading uh, some of the plot points of virtually all of the Rocky sequels, uh, Rocky one through four, like all the Rocky films, like Rocky one through four, 
but it crams it all into one film and then it ends things and it leaves the door open for them to really come at it from a totally new angle and instead of being shackled to the rocky franchise and you know having to pay homage and pay tribute to that which came before um i i i think if michael b jordan really takes things and runs with it and really puts a stamp on on creed 3 and makes it its own film like largely divorced uh, from the rocky saga i think we could be in for a really awesome trilogy um and maybe maybe that'll be the end of it but who knows with these with these rocky associated films but but yeah uh stallone during the q a for for rocky for rocky versus drago cut uh did say that he he wanted to reinsert uh some of carl weathers scenes he wanted to give him more weight and and more meaning uh to the the life and legacy of that character and i again i think he was largely successful in pulling off that particular trick um he also paid lip service to talia shire who by the way apparently a bent midler uh from the man himself again i don't know he could just be blowing smoke up our asses but he did say that bet midler was apparently originally considered as the adrian character uh, what a what a different film that would have been <laughs> but um he also said the same for talia shire he was like you know she kind of got the shaft in in a lot of the rocky movies probably rocky four uh, the most so he did take some time to uh recut some of the footage around her scenes and give give more love and attention uh, to her to her performance and in in general like it, it's kind of funny to say this it, it doesn't feel like a lackadaisical cut um however this does feel like a cut of a film um from a from a, the perspective of a person who maybe isn't putting their ego at the front forefront of things um to to call comparisons to wrestling um especially in the 1980s um you know a, a lot of like action stars and and you know superstar wrestlers and stuff uh even to this day actually um but especially in the 1980s uh, in the steroid era um a lot of these guys had really inflated egos and time has shown that um some of their best work came out of them having to be humbled in some way and and like come to realize that you know the spotlight doesn't deserve to just be on you you know a, a, a film is is very much the work of many many hands touching it um you you really can't hog the spotlight as much as you'd like to um as much effort as you put forth in trying to be the singular star of the thing at the end of the day it's the work of many people and um there there are behind the scenes stories of stallone um kind of sabot- self-sabotaging like kind of ruining some of his own films uh, just because of his own ego uh, at this era of his career. Like um, one of my favorite examples is a uh, Nighthawks. Um, it's a it's a Rutger Hauer film. I think um, I think Billy D. Williams was in there too. But it's it's like a like an undercover cop type drama. Uh, they're trying to thwart a terrorist threat from a uh, Rutger Hauer, um, and infamously, it was a film that the the concept on paper was supposed to be Stallone and Rutger Hauer hero and villain respectively are supposed to have equal screen time in the film uh, you're supposed to spend an intimate level of time with the villain of the piece and then their two paths converge and it, it's supposed to be like a man man versus man story it's supposed to be like a manhunt story 
Um, but unfortunately, the that the version of the film that we got, uh, Stallone muscled his way into the editing room and, uh, yeah, uh, yanked out most of Rutger Hauer's material. And famously, the two of them really didn't like each other on the set. Um, they barely had a scene together in that film because of it. Um, and I don't remember if this was Stallone's doing. I, I think it may have been, but uh, I also heard that Cobra had some shenanigans involved with the production. Uh, that that is a different cut of a film that I, to this day, am very much wanting to see because that movie was slashed to ribbons in the editing room. There exists like bootleg versions of a different like art like hard r-rated version of the film that is much more coherent uh however um like i said i think stallone may have had something to do with that uh, either trimming the runtime or perhaps more especially um, wanting to cut cut back some of the violence or something but anyway uh with so many dec- decades being so, so many decades removed from the material though and that that stage of his career um, seeing him going back uh, to a film that bears his name as writer, director, star, um, seeing him go back and uh, be gracious enough and humble enough to realize, you know, maybe, maybe there's a different way I can cut this piece together to give some other people some time to shine. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe we don't need that fucking robot. Maybe Maybe we don't have to have so many scenes of just me mugging for the camera and me hanging out with my shithead kid. Uh, (laughs) Those are my feelings on his son's performance in the original cut of Rocky four. But anyway, uh, just to break down some of my thoughts about the actual film that I just watched. Um, So I I, mostly, I was just talking about stuff he mentioned during the Q and a, but um, as I said, again spoilers for for what's to come uh the film opens dramatically different uh from most rocky movies in fact uh so tradition for rocky sequels is uh we we get a re we get a replay essentially of uh the finale of the previous film uh so this is true for for rocky two three four uh five even um and in this case though we we kind of do that but in a much more protracted fashion that at first was making me kind of worried because i was like when are we when are we going to get to the fireworks factory not because it was boring me but because it was confounding like i was like hang on what do we do we need all this Uh, so what i mean by that is uh, the original cut of rocky 4 opens by the way with one of the one of the goofiest and most awesome moments um you'll hear me say that many many times for um in regards to referencing things that were cut uh, from this version of the movie, because most of the the hokey mid '80s zaniness uh, is is removed from this version of the film. Uh, there, there's still plenty of plenty of ballads. There's still plenty of workout ballads and stuff like that. But as I had mentioned, the robot, who apparently I think the, the owner of the robot, uh, if I read correctly, I think he had some beef uh, with uh, some of Stallone's. Uh, statements like public statements about the robot like i think they took offense and they tried to sue him over it It was like you're shitting on my robot my robot that i built with my bare hands my robot that you commissioned me to build with my bare hands to put in your coke field movie from the mid 80s um i could be totally talking out my ass with that but i seem to recall seeing like an article about that or something but yeah the robot is not in this film uh paul paulie's robot 
uh, wife slash butler is not in this cut of the film. They cut around it. It's largely seamless. Um, and I, I hate to say it, I think, I think the movie is better for it. Um, in addition to that, um, the the child who plays Rocky's son in this, who, by the way, the first name of that actor is Rocky. I assume that's largely how they got the role. I had the comment uh, to my girlfriend after the credits were rolling um, that I couldn't remember when uh, the Problem Child movies happened. But uh, the the kid in the in the theatrical cut of Rocky Four always just irked me because he's supposed to be like endearing because he's he's he gets into shenanigans and he like pranks Uncle Paulie and stuff like he sprays him with like the whipped cream or whatever. It's like, dude, respect. Like Paulie Paulie's a veteran of these films. I know you don't get Paulie. You're not from the neighborhood, so no, you can't possibly understand Uncle Paulie. But trust me, he has a good heart. And if you cross him when he's had a few, he will belt you across the mouth in front of your father. <laughs> so be careful. Tread carefully, son. Um, but yeah, that's cut from the movie. The kid has like two scenes. Uh, we don't cut back to him during the finale of the movie, uh, you know, during uh, during Christmas, watching the fight on television or anything like that. Uh, he he makes a good impression. He, he serves basically as just a wall for Stallone to talk at for one really awesome scene in this version of the film. But beyond that, the kids largely removed from it. But, but yeah, what I meant by the, the opening of this is that in the original cut, we got that image of, of the, uh, the Soviet union and the American flag, uh, boxing gloves slamming into each other. Um, old, old, uh, NFL promo style, like with the two helmets smashing into each other and exploding. We awesome image, very hokey, very silly, but goddamn, it's awesome. But it's not in this version of the film. Instead, we have like the we have a really sudden opening of just the first image we get in the film is the first fight with Clubber Lang. Uh, we get Mr. T as Clubber Lang just smashing a haymaker into Rocky's face while he's wearing the gold trunks in the middle of Rocky Three, and basically we get to see Rocky get knocked out in the middle of that film, and then we we play out. In great detail, the sequence of him, of, of Rocky riding his motorcycle out to see the, the Rocky statue posted out front the the Philadelphia Art Museum. Uh, he throws his motorcycle helmet at it, and then we see him go to Mickey's gym. Uh, Mick has passed away at this point, so I guess uh, if memory serves, this is the point where Rocky inherits the gym. Uh, he may have taken ownership of it earlier, but that's neither here nor there. And then we get the whole dialogue scene between apollo creed visiting him at mickey's gym and proposing the idea of a training partnership um it's not the entire conversation from the the the, from rocky three it's most of it and then i think there's like one additional line of dialogue that that has not existed on film previous to this so it was probably like an an outtake or something that they reinserted um i think he tell if memory serves i think he yells at rocky he's got to get back so he's got to take you back, do 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 do, take you back. Um, if yeah, if memory serves, he tells him he's got to get back and get back that eye of the tiger. Um, and then we cut to the second fight with Clubber Lang, and we get a cut down, like a a condensed version of that last fight from Rocky Three, but it's still fairly long. And what's more, we're we're giving ourselves extra homework, like extra time in the editing room. By cutting around Bill Conti's um, music, uh, the the fight music that plays over that sequence, uh, 
Um, so they had to precisely like time the cuts to to condense the runtime of that sequence um, while not making the music sound like a horrendous mess. And they largely pulled it off mostly because um, in the grand tradition of Rocky sequels, uh, they rejiggered the uh, the hit sound effects, like all the all the boxing noises. Um, I I don't know if anybody's ever stated this in public, but I always thought it was really interesting that every time they do these prologue sequences, these retreads of the final fight from the previous Rocky film, they always, without fail, um, retool uh, the the hit sound effects from movie to movie. They never match up, and it's it's like they they come at it with a different philosophy every time at bat. Um, and like I said, in the grand tradition of that, they they bring uh, modern hit sound effects into th- into this cut of Rocky three and four, and good God, the sound editing and this is fucking awesome. It's it was incredibly loud in the theater that I watched it, uh, such that I, th- I think I caught my girlfriend covering her ear at at a t- at a time or two. But oof, uh, the hit sounds in this are tasty. Um, they have a lot of impact, a lot of sting to them. Um, they sound phenomenal, and they don't stick out like a sore thumb either. It's not like um, when I rewatched uh, James Cameron's The Terminator on Blu-ray, and they have all the gun sound effects redone, and it sounds absolutely atrocious because it sticks out so badly. Like it's like no, that that sound effect was generated in two thousand four. That is clearly not a sound from nineteen eighty four. Um, but yeah, the the punch sounds in, in the entirety of this movie are phenomenal. But yeah, we. I think um, they increased the volume of the punch sounds to mask uh, the music editing that was required to condense the scene. Um, and I mean, it's if you ask me for my money, uh, the final fight of Rocky Three is the best boxing exhibition, like the best ex- exhibition of boxing choreography in maybe the entire Rocky franchise. Uh, so I was more than happy to see it again with with you know modern sound effects and whatnot um and i didn't really i wasn't really that bothered um by the the remixing of the music like the changing and the timing of it but um i my ears could be lying to me but um the major difference here is that um after rocky defeats clubber lang um and, and he does that jump that looks like he just destroyed both of his kneecaps that exhausted uh, leap for joy that he does and he collapses in a heap in the center of the ring um when he does that i think it's like a journey song or something that plays i could be wrong but it it's sound it sounded like a steve perry steve perry um but it's it's a a song that I, I don't recall hearing in a Rocky movie before. Maybe it was like an out, maybe it was an additional track for one of the soundtrack releases or something. Um, but it, it definitely sticks out because normally this is where the, the bongo drums would be going fucking batshit. Bill Conti's uh, bongo drums would be going ape shit, And, you know, the, the standard Rocky victory theme and or lost theme because the same music played at the end of the first Rocky would play. And then we get the credits, um, like in the original ending of Rocky three, but uh, no, we get this, we get a song playing over this and all the crowd noise was so loud that I could barely hear the lyrics of it. So I, I, it's a bizarre change, honestly. Um, And then if memory serves, that's when we get the title and it's a, it looks awful (laughs) because as I said, the full title of this movie is like Rocky four, Rocky versus Drago ultimate colon, the ultimate director's cut and it all like pans across the screen you know uh, from left to right just like in 
all the Rocky movies, but it's, it's like, ah, that's unwieldy and funky looking. Um, and then the movie just kind of like settles into a, a different rhythm uh, from Rocky Four altogether. Like the the cutoff point for this movie, where it kind of just turns back into Rocky Four, honestly, uh, is essentially when Rocky leaves uh, to go to Russia uh, to train uh, for the final battle with Ivan Drago. Um, because that's when all well no before that um, when when the no easy way out sequence happens is when the movie kind of reverts back to itself and the changes start to become more more minor um, and kind of extraneous almost where I, I was musing about this to my girlfriend in the theater that like I I just finished a, a video project that I'd been cutting together for months um, and the the shitty part about editing is that it's only done when when it's taken away from you. Like usually, that's how it works. It's like you never actually feel like you're done until you you're disallowed from working on it anymore. Because until that day, it's it's almost impossible to resist the temptation to just nudge pixels here and there and just make these like single frame cuts just to feel like you get in that mindset where it's like if I change it, I'm I'm accomplishing something but the problem with that is that that may not necessarily be true you could just be making moves just to say you made moves and parts of this edit certainly feel like that is the case where it's like oh Stallone I know your heart was in it but you you just changed that just to change it not necessarily to make it better and most of those changes are relegated to the second half of the movie but the first half of this movie I actually was really pleased with like I actually thought that he he set some goals for himself in terms of changing the pace, expanding the characterization, and making something that was texturally and tonally more more similar to that which came before. And in the first half, I think he really pulled that off because it doesn't start out perfect. <laughs> um, the first sequence we get after the bombastic and overlong opening retread of of Rocky Three is Apollo throwing tennis balls at his like i think he has like golden retrievers in his pool which did happen in the theatrical cut of rocky 4 however in this version that it's that scene for like good solid three minutes just like this guy hanging out in a pool throwing balls with his dog and being really 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 pissed off by what's on the television so again all of this happened in the theatrical theatrical cut of the film this sequence where uh Apollo catches wind of the, quote, uh, Soviet invasion of the boxing world um, in the form of Ivan Drago uh, proposing an exhibition between himself and Rocky Balboa or anybody who'll step up to the plate. Um, but the the runtime of the sequence, like, I don't know if they just didn't have anything else to, to cut to or anything, but it's basically just Apollo hanging out in this pool for a good solid several minutes. It's like, okay, this was really boring to look at, but at the end of the day, it's like all the same information is imparted to the viewers. So um, in the long run, they probably actually, it was probably an efficient way of cutting that together. But what follows is uh, an entirely new sequence, uh, probably an outtake. I, I mean, all of these are going to be outtakes, but it's a it's an expansion of the conversation that uh, Apollo and Rocky will have later um, I think in in Rocky's dining room, but basically we're just hanging out on the lawn um, and talking about uh, 
what it means to be retired and what it means to have an outsider in the form of someone from the Soviet Union enter the boxing realm. Um, and it's never explicitly stated, but I got the sense that um, uh, the word propaganda is thrown around by uh, Carl Weathers, by Apollo Creed in this sequence. And I got the sense that maybe the concept here was we're supposed to be like kind of paralleling like a, a Joe Lewis and a Max Schmeling type situation where it's like we have two gladiators that regardless of how they feel about it from a personal standpoint are kind of serving as stand-ins for an entire nation uh joe lewis of course the u.s and max schmeling even though at a certain point in time uh was very popular in the u.s um, because of the rise of the nazi regime and by the way max schmeling as far as i understand was actually no nazi uh he just happened to be pretty closely associated with the nazi party uh just for political machinations and whatnot um the two of them kind of served as avatars for the respective nations at that time and i think we're supposed to be kind of drawing parallels to that particular conflict here but um i liked everything that was said here Uh, it's a really boring looking scene um probably because they didn't film additional angles but for whatever reason the first like two minutes of this dialogue sequence which does have some decently written and performed dialogue uh, is shot from the widest of wide angles. It's just like this flat shot of Apollo with his back to the camera and Stallone so small in the frame that it may as well be a stand-in. It, and there's, we don't cut away from it for a very long time, such that like I was like, oh shit, I don't think they had an opposite angle for this. Um, but again, at least at least the writing and the performances are there. Um, but yeah, what what follows is just a lot more time uh, spent with Apollo. Uh, his dialogue is stronger. Carl Weathers is allowed to breathe a bit more in his performance. The movie isn't in as much of a hurry. And uh, one thing that this movie, uh, this recut of Rocky IV, um, one weapon that it employs with great regularity is uh, uh, Bill Conti's piano score. Um, I know Vince DiCola was uh, the composer for Rocky IV, but I think for this recut of the movie, they referenced um, most certainly Bill Conti's compositions, but I think actually like tracks lifted from previous films. I think they referenced the library of the Rocky films uh, previous as well as utilized uh, Vince DiCola's original compositions for this film. Um, and for all the big, heavy, emotional beats, all you got to do to punctuate the moment is just have the blung, blung, blung. And and that's just like, oh man, now I'm feeling stuff. You got me, Stallone. You got me, Sly. <laughs> um, and they really do employ that quite liberally. Um, but it, my God, it's effective. That the score uh, for all the Rocky films is, it's it's a secret weapon, man. And and I don't blame anyone for for leaning on it um, when shit gets heavy. Uh, but yeah, there's there's uh, the same sequence with a uh, with Rocky and Apollo um, rewatching. Uh, their second fight together um, it plays out a little bit differently. It's a lot more intense. Uh, Apollo is a lot more visceral in his reactions here, and I really appreciate it because um, Carl Weathers is a magnetic performer, and I've always liked the guy. I never really understood why he didn't it, like blow up as much. Like like he had a fine acting career, uh, especially in later years. I heard uh, uh, Arrested Development. I think I, I heard he had a phenomenal role on that show. I never watched it myself, but he's he's always been a tremendous actor, um, and I know he's 
on the Mandalorian as well. So he's doing just fine these days. Um, but aside from like Action Jackson, like from from him in his physical prime, I can't really think of any other like. I mean, Predator he has a he has a co-starring role in, but like I can't really think of any other vehicles like Carl Weather vehicles, and and the man most certainly deserved them. Uh, so it was really nice to just see him have more screen time and really really get to display some some acting talent uh, because he most certainly had it, but his screen time and the theatrical cut of Rocky Four is is very slight. Um, so it was nice to see that padded out a bit more. But uh, one of the other major additions to this movie is the characterization of uh, Ivan Drago. Uh, so Stallone himself uh, is well aware of the fact that Drago is portrayed largely as a mute uh, robot uh, throughout most of, of the original cut of Rocky IV. Um, he does have an arc uh, in the original cut of Rocky IV, most certainly. I mean, there's the scene that, Minyas, 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 where he picks up the, uh, I don't know, like Russian uh, politician. He picks him up by the throat and like, declares like i'm fighting for me now and we he does have a a solid arc that leads to that but it's it's overly subtle and it feels shoehorned in whereas in this cut of the film uh, they do some really cool very subtle things throughout the entirety of the film that actually like i have to commend stallone for he was very good about finding the right shots finding the right angles to display the character from to convey character without like making a big spectacle of it because i mean drago has a few extra lines of dialogue in the, in this version of the film uh, that's not saying much uh, he had very few like three or four uh in the theatrical cut of the film but in this version he has a little bit more to say but more importantly when he has more to say he's cut off like his mouthpiece kind of steps in and is like, yeah, that's nice, Drago, but l- let me just let me say the words. You're you're here to be the body. You're here to do the punching. I'm the mouthpiece. Um, but more than that, uh, his body language is different. And I I thought this was really neat. Where when when Dolph Lundgren is doing the boxing scenes in this, um, he he has a bit of flair. He has a bit of swagger. There are moments when he he shows that he has a personality and it manifests through his craft of, of boxing. Um, like he kind of clowns on Apollo. Like he kind of did that a little bit in the form of keeping his hands down in the theatrical cut. But in this one, he's, he's like, he's kind of making faces. He's putting up his hands. He's really, he's showing off because uh, a major difference between this and the theatrical cut is uh, the press conference um, prior to Apollo and Drago's clash in the theatrical cut was much more brief and not civil by any means, but not nearly as venomous uh, as this recut version. Uh, the recut version is a circus. Like, like it's 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 uncomfortable. And Stallone very wisely uh, adds shots of uh, both Apollo and Apollo's wife and uh, Talia Shire. Uh, he he cuts in shots of them reacting uh, to some of the things Apollo is saying to to rile up the press and uh, kind of poke at drago um and you can tell that they they don't necessarily approve they're like dude like show some respect like i know you're trying to sell a fight but at the same time man like he, this guy's pretty big and he looks like he wants <laughs> he wants to take your head off and he he you know time will tell he'll he'll most certainly do that but um the the conflict between the two of them is amplified because of that like it, it, the tension is heightened um 
and good god uh when we get to the actual boxing match the the coming to america or living in america i'm sorry uh, the james brown musical number is preserved thank god uh, that was very important um and in fact we get some uh wider angles of it so we get to see like the full stage in all its glory the kind of flat angles i i can understand why they were cut because they, they don't lend much drama to things but they do a good job of showing off the scale of the set that they're working with and it is important to note Rocky Four did have the largest budget of any of the Rocky films, as far as I know. Um, but the the fight uh, between Apollo and Drago is is massively different uh, from the theatrical cut. It is hugely expanded. It's quite a, it's considerably longer and is genuinely tense uh, because Apollo is allowed to dance for a lot longer. Um, he's he's shown to be somewhat effective. Drago doesn't land his first punch for a couple of minutes into the fight, um, and when he does, uh, it has quite a bit of impact to it. But um, all the boxing scenes in this are are very well put together. Uh, but this one is the one that receives the most benefit from a recut uh, because it is much longer. The drama is quite a bit heightened. Uh, those re-edited sound effects really do have quite a bit more punch to them um i did notice some changes uh in the the corner dialogue between rocky and apollo uh I, I, jury's out whether the dialogue there is stronger in this version or the theatrical cut my gut tells me it may have been a bit stronger in the theatrical cut something about that no matter what with the the mouthpiece in i i want to say maybe they used a different take i could be wrong on that but I did like uh, that they insert um, some longer takes of Stallone uh, making eye contact with Dolph uh, in between rounds because uh, it, it really does set up. It's like we, we, the audience, obviously know what's to come, but um, just those lingering shots of the two of them glaring at each other, it, it really does a lot to set up the conflict that's to come in the, the finale of the film. Um, but yeah, when uh, when Apollo eats it, it's uh, it is brutal. Um and it's kind of funny, actually. Uh, Stallone almost pulls off a George Lucas. Uh, in fact, I, I think it's almost a one-to-one comparison. He almost pulls off a George Lucas in the form of a uh, Han shot first or Greedo shot first. Uh, because uh, when when Rocky is going for the towel, when, when we're doing the throw the damn towel moment, uh, Rocky, I want to say Stallone... Uh, change the timing of that quite a bit to to kind of like make it more obvious that rocky didn't blow it like like the the punch comes immediately after he grabs the towel so it's not like a big hesitation it's just like we see him grab the towel and then apollo's dead it's like oh well you know he he didn't even really have time to pull back and you know get ready to heave it like he, he only had it in hand he wasn't ready to throw it out there so it's like Maybe he's being overly kind to Rocky with that. It, it's it's innocuous, but um, point is the fight scene's tremendous. Um, the finale of it is largely the same with everybody charging the ring and all that. But what's to come, though, is an additional scene, like an extended scene that is awesome. It's it's absolutely awesome. Uh, it's it's a Apollo's funeral, um, which is featured in the theatrical cut of the film. Uh, however, this version of it, uh, we get to see Tony Burton as a uh, Apollo's trainer, uh, Duke, uh, or his actual character's name is Tony, but they call him Duke. Um, we get to see Duke uh, deliver a soliloquy, like he gets like a 
yeah, he he gets like a speech uh, at the end of the funeral, um, and it's awesome. I've always thought I've always thought this fellow Tony Burton was a fantastic actor. Uh, I've only really seen him in the Rocky films, but my God, he he believes everything he says. That throw the damn towel, like you believe that it's like it's like his kid is being thrown into a freezing river. It's it's like the worst thing in the world is happening before his eyes, and he he is emoting. He is using his acting talent. Uh, so it was wonderful uh, hearing him give a, a eulogy, uh, if you will, at the at the end of this uh, funeral sequence. And then in addition to that, like, I think maybe it was cut for time or maybe Stallone was embarrassed by it. Again, it was 1985. He was riding high. Maybe he wasn't especially comfortable showcasing this, uh, this shade or this angle of his acting capability. Um, but after that, we get, we get a follow-up speech from Rocky and he's got his shades on, like he's trying to mask his emotions here, but he immediately starts breaking down. But all the things that he says here are classic Rocky, where it's like he just kind of cuts through the bullshit and in the layest of lay terms says, like, you, you Apollo Creed, believed in me at a time when no one else in this world did. I appreciate your acknowledgement of me and your belief in me, not only for choosing me the first time, but for finding within yourself to need to face me a, a second time uh, a second time which cost you your title your your self-identity your your self-worth and then he just kind of breaks down in tears and he's just like i love you man and and it it's i don't know if it's like a top tier acting or anything but again it, it the character of rocky is so very endearing and he all like as paulie tells him later it's like you're all heart man and that's why we love Rocky, and this this non speech is is something that I, I I'm really glad that we got here because it's it's not eloquent. It doesn't need to be. It's Rocky, um, but just seeing him and hearing him say the words, just like you you believed in me. I loved you, man. Uh, I and then breaking down in tears. It's like that's all you need, man. That was excellent. Good on you. Um, and then. Largely, the the changes from this point of the film, if memory serves, are uh, Adrian's scenes get more time to breathe. Um, I think they change the way that she finds out about the fight uh, between Rocky and Drago. Uh, we get an additional scene of Rocky visiting the commission, which um, uh, I, I couldn't help but laugh in the theater a little bit because the head of the, the boxing commission in, in this recut of the film is played by a gentleman who played... Uh, uh, a survivor um from an episode of curb your enthusiasm uh i I won't explain it in any more detail than that if you if you if you've seen it you know what i'm referencing but yeah i I recognize this actor and i was like (laughs) i know him that's the survivor (laughs) the the real survivor not not the guy from the survivor television series but um this is just an extended sequence that just shows that like nobody like the point we're trying to hammer home here is that nobody believes in rocky and and we even discover adrian doesn't either but i think they changed the way that adrian finds out that rocky uh is scheduled to fight drago uh via like the press like swarming her when she's pulling into her driveway which i thought was very effective um and then they change up the sequence where uh Rocky comes home in the middle of the night after the press conference with Drago announcing the fight in Russia on Christmas Day, mind you. 
um they have that confrontation on the steps and they changed up the the timing of the sequence quite a bit uh it plays out much more in line with how scenes of this nature would have played out in rocky one through three like i said like the the soundtrack and just the texture and the tone i can't i can't say it enough uh, of this version of the film this first half of this film uh are very much in line with what came before and it's actually very cozy aside from a couple of uh oddities here and there like there, there's maybe a uh like a transition like an editing transition like a fade that goes out too quickly like at the, at the very opening of the movie when we cut away from rocky being knocked out by clubber lang uh we make sure to show apollo creed's face but i think we only had like two seconds of footage of him saying get up uh at ringside and then we very quickly fade out and it's it's a little bit jarring and then additionally um when we see apollo at the pool i notice some weird adr coming through the tv basically just kind of reading the script uh from the theatrical cut of the movie to make sure that the the timing of the sequence matched that of the footage we already had it's weird things like that that happen when you're recutting something that largely already exists in some crystallized form um but yeah, th- this uh, sequence on the on the staircase is always a is always a winner, especially because it precedes the No Easy Way Out music video, which uh, the whole song is intact. Uh, you will be relieved to hear that. However, I think they they changed the the cuts here quite a bit. There's a lot more footage of Stallone's face just driving, um, and it gets a little cut happy to the point that it's like I think they forgot how long this song was. Like I think Stallone forgot just how fucking long No Easy Way Out is. So he just started like kitchen sinking it and just throwing in unrelated clips. And the whole thing comes across as a little bit disjointed. It comes across more as a summary of the entirety of the Rocky franchise up to that point, rather than a pointed scene wherein, you know, a grieving man remembers his fallen friend and remembers past traumas. Um, it, it just falls a little flat because it's a little cut happy. It's like maybe maybe you should have focused in on some some key characters and key points that you want to emphasize rather than like show everybody it's like like do we really need to have like just random shots of paulie's face and random shots of mickey's face it's like what does that have to do with anything um but the song's still there so we're all very happy about that right um and then the scene where uh, rocky is getting ready to head out to russia is kind of the cutoff point for where the movie turns back into rocky four um, because we get a lovely sequence where it's it's a it's largely like outtakes I think of the same scene where he's saying goodbye to his son in a in his son's bed, um, but instead of like a full blown dialogue scene where it's just kind of cute like there's not a whole lot of point to it in the theatrical cut this one is like very much him just kind of teaching his son a lesson before he leaves home uh, because the staircase scene between him and Adrian is is this really awesome sequence where adrian his rock shouts at him from a darkened staircase that you can't win and coming from you know the person you trust the most the person you love the most that that fucking hurts uh so rocky's in a bad headspace um but he does tell he basically just talks at his son for a couple minutes saying like no matter what like there will come a time in your life where everybody around you's not going to believe you um but you're going to have have to stay true to yourself because at the end of the day, uh, it's you who you're going to be stuck with uh, throughout all your days. So you better have some respect and, and 
love for yourself. Um, and I, I think he said during the Q&A before the movie started um, that this this dialogue sequence, this monologue essentially, um, is basically Stallone's philosophy in regards to life. And it, it shows. Like if you, if you look at a lot of some of the harebrained decisions he's made throughout his career um it he he's adhered to that for the most part and i i respect him for that i i've always been very fascinated with sylvester stallone um regardless of his ups and downs he's i'm glad we have him (laughs) anyway uh the goodbye sequence between him and adrian is also extended and uh they they hold on it a little longer than you would have expected in the theatrical cut of rocky four it has a lot of impact to it it works out quite a bit. Like to me, I, th- I thought the scene played out very well. Um, training montages are largely largely the same. Um, the arrival to Russia does have har- uh, "Burning Heart" um, by Survivor playing over it, um, largely preserved from the theatrical cut. Uh, we get two training sequences. However, um, we get a little bit more time to breathe before we head directly into training, including an extended dialogue scene between uh, Duke and Rocky. It was very touching. I liked that quite a bit. Um, and they show a lot, he shows a lot of restraint with the editing here. Uh, they hold on this wide shot, the two of them, uh, a little longer than you might expect, but it works out. It plays out quite well. Um, but yeah, we do get two training montages, just like the theatrical cut. Uh, so the first one is just a Vince DiCola's instrumental, and then the second one is Hearts on Fire, uh, fan favorite, obviously. Um largely the same material uh we're we're adding in random outtakes from time to time but this this is the phase of the film where some of the cuts start to become cuts for the sake of making cuts or changes for the make of for the sake of making changes rather than improvements Um, what i mean by that is uh, we get shots of stallone punching a heavy bag uh that don't don't look especially enthusiastic they don't have the same energy or snap to them that some of the other uh training activities he does in the theatrical cut do so it's just like well that's new i don't think i like it that much but it's there um and additionally there's some oddities in there as well like um one thing i point out to the girlfriend and it's embarrassing how well i know the theatrical cut of rocky four is that uh in the second training montage when he's doing the like the sit-ups from the overhang in the barn um there's a bit in the theatrical cut where he goes he goes like almost entirely horizontal so he holds the sit-up position against gravity for a couple of seconds um and it looks awesome it's like that's the most impressive part of that sequence but they for whatever reason he cut it from this version it's like oh man like if you want to stroke your ego, that's how you do it. You put in the stuff where you you make yourself look awesome and powerful. Uh, but yeah, they cut that out for whatever reason. That's kind of random. Um, and again, because we're cutting to music, uh, the timing of things is a little is a little all over the place. Um, it feels somewhat disjointed at times. It's not as smooth. These are, these training sequences, honestly, are things that I, if it was up to me, I maybe would have just left them alone. Just like left left them as they were because I I didn't really detect any improvements in this version of the film, um, but when we get to the fight in the stadium uh, in Russia, uh, if memory serves the uh, the prep uh, before the fight is extended somewhat, um, there's more time to breathe. Uh, we get to see a bit more of the 
like the backstage quarters that they have Rocky relegated to. And we see that there's some like officers like watching over him as he's getting his hands taped by Paulie and, and Duke. Um, and then we get uh, some Stallonisms added to the film uh, in the form of him as he's praying at the sink um, before his walkout. Uh, we get, I presume, a, a you know, 74, 75 year old Stallone uh, doing some ADR uh, in the recording booth uh, to do some voiceover. Uh, this had happened previously in the film when he was putting up uh, his photos in his uh, in his bedroom uh, in in the barn in Russia, like when he's putting up the photo of Drago and stuff. Um, we have voiceover of him. Uh, it, I think it's him reciting exactly the same dialogue, maybe even the same audio uh, taken from uh, the conversation between him and Adrian. Uh, towards the end of the first Rocky film when he's in bed with her uh, musing about the concept of uh, going the distance with Apollo Creed. Um, if I think it's verbatim the same dialogue. Like I said, it may even be exactly the same audio. But yeah, when he's like praying in front of the sink backstage here before the fight at the end of this recut of Rocky IV, uh, he, there's some there's just some like voiceover of Rocky's thought process. Like he's talking to himself a bit before the fight. And then I think he remembers uh, the conversation he had with Apollo backstage before Apollo went went out to his doom. Uh, so we reinsert some of that footage as well. Um, and then we get the walkouts, which are extended and uh, very similar to the way uh, Rocky Balboa and the Creed films were edited. Um, I think the intent here was to, I mean, keep the thing similar to as it was because it, it Again, the theatrical cut of Rocky Four is not a bad movie. In fact, if you acknowledge it for what it is, it's phenomenal. Like it's a it's a fantastic, trashy mid eighties sports drama. What what more could he ask for? Um, but I think the intent with uh, the way they changed the timing of these sequences um, when we're entering the the arena and even when the fight starts to break out, I think the intent was to make it mirror that of an actual boxing contest a little bit more because Stallone like partially for logistical purposes uh, because uh, gathering crowds in 2006 and beyond uh, in, in stadiums is hard and costs a lot of money. The way they would shoot those scenes was they would actually like use the ring at an actual boxing event in between matches uh, to shoot the fight sequences. Um, and as such, they even went to, went to the trouble to utilize like HBO's camera rigs uh, to shoot those sequences. And in fact, obviously the, the commentary crews and whatnot, but they're literally, I think using HBO's equipment. So like the camera angles and the look and the feel of the fight footage from Rocky Balboa onward, uh, not so much the Creed movies, but largely Rocky Balboa um, was meant to look authentic. Um, and I think that was the idea with the way they recut the, the ring walk sequences in particular in this version of Rocky IV because they're much more drawn out. Um, I think they used a lot of outtake uh, audio of the commentators uh, just kind of stretching for time as actual sports commentators often have to do. Uh, it lends it an air of authenticity. A lot of details put into the crowd noise as well, um, all of which sounds lovely and is, is not overplayed if you ask me. Um, but I, they didn't change this but i i just want to draw attention to the the exchange of dialogue between paulie and rocky during his walk is one of my favorite moments in rocky four 
It's just like Pauly telling him, like, yeah, if I could, you know, unzip myself and step into someone else, I'd, I'd, I'd pick you, Rock. And then he gives him the kiss, kiss on the cheek, and he just tearfully tells him, like, yeah, I love you, man. You're all, you're all heart. And it's like, yeah, that's Rocky to a T. And it's seldom we see Pauly be so vulnerable. Um, and it, it, it really works. It's one of those moments that's absolutely precious. And it's like, don't you dare cut that up. <laughs> um, yeah, when we get to the actual fight, uh, it's the same piece of music that plays over uh, Vince DiCola's War, as the name of the track, uh, that plays over the montage of the fight. But um, prior to that, the only major difference I noticed, aside from just errant, just like random changes here and there, was that... Uh, Rocky actually makes more contact with Drago in the first round. Uh, he barely, he is allowed to touch Drago's body in the opening round of the theatrical cut of the film, but in this one, he actually, they have some exchanges and it's a slightly more competitive affair, although Rocky is definitely getting clobbered. Um, but also, we get to see more posturing from Drago. Like I said, um, he the character is given more opportunity to stretch his wings a bit and actually have a more obvious arc something that i appreciate it's not essential to making a better film by any means but it's it's neat little details that i really enjoyed like for instance in drago's uh, ring walk in this version they really drag it out like when he's standing uh with the fog machines and the lights beaming behind him we get all sorts of these like close-ups of him just like looking out over the crowd and looking very very pleased with what he sees and he's holding his chin high, and we see that Drago, this supposed embodiment of of the masses of the so of the entirety of the Soviet Union, this this individual who is here to represent the masses, not individualism, uh, is having a proud moment to himself. Um, and this is all communicated visually. Um, in addition to that, when he's taking off his robe, I couldn't help but notice, like Dolph gives like. He gives like a little flare with his arm, like kind of throwing off the robe and, and he does a little pirouette like he's on his toes. He's bouncing. He looks he looks like he's enjoying the spotlight. Um, he hasn't been able to speak about it throughout the film in neither cut of the film. But just his body language suggests that, you know, this this like handsome, young, athletic man, maybe he feels good about himself and maybe he's prideful in his achievements and maybe maybe he wants to do a little something for himself as opposed to being just a pure tool of the state or something um and of course obviously that is the arc of the character it's just made much more obvious in this version of the film it's 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 nice and and it even plays out in the ring because like i said when when he's really clobbering rocky he has moments where he's putting his his gloves in in silly places and like backing himself backing himself up into a corner when he should be on the offensive and just kind of like clowning on on Balboa a little bit and again he's a he's a young powerful athletic man that's feeling really good about himself and he's he has the entire country on like pushing him from behind like supporting him so of course he's gonna have fun with the moment um and then, of course, we get that he's cut, he's cut <laughs> moment, which is preserved in this. And then uh, Stallone made special care to point out during the QA that uh, <laughs> if you look close in this version of the movie, um, if you watch Tony Burton, 
Uh, he hopped the ropes and he got in a legit fucking wrestling match with one of the one of the other uh, actors like on the set. That would be one of a uh, one of Dolph's uh, corner men. Like apparently the two of them just like were supposed to lock up and make it look good while uh, Stallone and Dolph were wrestling around at the end of the round two. But apparently they just like went off the rails and just like legit started thrashing each other. So Stallone like during the Q and A said like please please pay attention to what Tony's up to. It's like it's, it's not good, man. If and I of course did pay attention to that. And yes, like it looks like some people legit got hurt during this moment. It's kind of nutty. Um, but yeah, the the montage of of the big fight at the end plays out largely the same. Uh, there are some editing oddities that are that are preserved in both cuts of this film, maybe out of necessity, or I don't want to say negligence, more than likely necessity. Uh, what I'm referencing here are, um, I've always thought the ADR line from Apollo Creed saying, man, I feel bored again, all, very much sounded like a person that was not Carl Weathers, and very much sounded like it was recorded in a toilet stall, uh, probably weeks before the movie was about to come out um that that same adr line is present in both cuts of the film um we also get to see paulie grab tony's head um put his thumb on his temple and go ah whatever rocky's doing good minimum two times in both cuts of the film so that's a blatantly reused clip um additionally we also get to see uh adrian bow her head tearfully while a a, a woman with like a middle-aged woman with Eurasian features to her right um, looks on gleefully and bounces in slow motion. We get to see that clip of Adrian bowing her head, uh, looking tearful, uh, minimum two times in both cuts of the film. So that's another, it's one of those things that like, I don't know if it was negligence. I don't know if it was out of necessity. Like there was no other footage, um, but it is kind of funny to see things like that, small details like that. Uh, be preserved um, in a recut of a film but you know it is what it is those would have been some of the first things I would cut out but again is what it is Um, but some oddities I noticed during the the war sequence during the big fight montage um, the biggest one that actually made me kind of go oh was uh, there's a music cue in the theatrical cut where uh, Vince DiCola's score has a an awesome very highly intentional a guitar riff and I, I mean i know he does he does synthesizer scores but but it's like a guitar that goes Bow! when rocky gets punched right on the jaw and his mouthpiece goes out he gets knocked down but the point is we have this awesome fucking music cue where he gets clocked right in the fucking jaw and he goes down and it's perfectly in time with the the landing of the punch it's highly intentional like like composer and editor and director all of them were working in concert it was beautiful in the recut though because we moved around clips but we're working from the same musical composition uh the timing of that is off by a good solid second so that music cue i think happens like a a full second before that punch lands and just robs it of so much impact it's such a shame um but the the finale of the fight um is extended quite a bit the whole fight is largely extended um especially the pageantry beforehand but the the last round of the fight and the first round of the fight especially are stretched out a bit more um 
honestly, like I, I feel like the the Apollo fight benefited quite a bit from being longer. Um, but the first round of the Rocky and Drago fight, um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of like B reel. There's a lot of like outtake footage here that was reinserted. That I want to say maybe it was a better idea to leave some of these shots out because the 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 style of choreography that they employed was uh, kind of uncoordinated uh, when you compare it to Rocky Three, which is extraordinarily precise and 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 highly measured whereas this one feels like there's an element of randomness to it um which i can't help but assume largely contributed to stallone getting badly injured on the set by dolph uh, a point that has highly been highly publicized uh in recent days um a lot of it feels somewhat improvised where stallone's just kind of doing a, a joe frazier uh impression while dolph just kind of throws jabs and hopes to not concuss him <laughs> but uh it results in something that looks a little a little raggedy like it it doesn't look as tight i guess as a uh, the theatrical cut or or the or rocky three for that matter um but the final round of this uh plays out very very similarly um we stretch out the point of drago having his little mini revolt uh, against his handlers um and when the when the fists start flying in that fifteenth round, um, it's extended quite a bit. Uh, Dolph eats a lot more leather um, during the the final stanza of the fight. Like there's a, a a wide shot that just has him getting clobbered, like like twenty un, unanswered blows. It's like damn, it, 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 I think that okay, we're still going, um, and. I don't know, man. Like, part of me wants to say theatrical cut made it might have done this bit better, also, because uh, again, it, it comes down to music. Uh, the the timing of the music cue, I want to say, syncs up a little bit better um, to, in in that version of the film. This one has more punches landed, and of course, the 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 hit sounds are fantastic. But there's one punch that they cut out of this version that really hurt me. Uh, similar to that that previous music cue punch I mentioned, like it it bummed me out because there's this one punch uh, just before the final combination landed on Drago uh, in the theatrical cut, where Drago's hanging on the ropes and he has like both of his gloves posted up on his temples, and Stallone just like rears back with this right hook that goes right down the center. Like it goes right between his gloves and like all four of his knuckles just crash right into the center of Dolph's face. And it, it looks like he blew his head off. And part of me wants to think that maybe like Dolph snuck into the editing room while he was recutting this movie. And he's like, Hey Sly, can, can you like not put that part in where you badly concussed me? <laughs> Cause like, I got kids, man. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm excited that you have re-added my dialogue and stuff. Like, I'm excited I get to say, like, five more words in this version of the movie. But do I have to see my nose get broken? Like, for real? Um, it bummed me out because like, that's one of my favorite punches landed in the movie. And it's not there this time around. It's like, ah, oh, man. But thankfully, the 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 punch combination is to end the, the fight is largely the same. Um, but the timing of, of the of the referee stoppage is different. Like it's it's protracted in the theatrical cut. I think the I think he goes a full ten count. In this one, like there's this awkward cut where it looks like Dolph's about to get up, and then we do like a jump cut and he's kind of back on his he's laying like flat on his back again, 
And then he barely makes an effort to get up, and the ref very quickly waves it off. And then we just like very hurriedly head to the finale. But um, also, I should point out the uh, the um, just before the final round uh, in this version of the film, the referee actually visits uh, Rocky in his corner. And I think what we're doing here is kind of like a <laughs> an Ipman two, which uh, I th- I think it's funny that I bring that movie up because Ipman two, of course, owes everything uh to rocky four um it of course came out well after rocky four so ipman 2 very much borrowed a lot of plot points from rocky four um but they by rein- reinserting this footage of the referee it, it's it's like a, a reference gone full circle now because at the end of ipman 2 uh the referee admonishes uh donnie Yen's ipman about using kicks and he's like you're going to be disqualified because guess what motherfucker we're changing the rules on you mid-fight um so it's not just the guy in front of you you have to worry about it's like you have to worry about racism and and political structures as well um and very similar to that in this version of rocky four the referee uh tells rocky like hey man like i'm gonna stop the fight and rocky very quickly stands up from his stool and he's like no like i'm on my feet i'm ready to go you're not stopping this fight but the referee like his parting words with him is like I'm going to be watching closely. And then Tony counters by saying like, Hey, the other guy's pretty fucked up too. Like, like if you're going to stop this fight, like make it fair, like, like let them finish the fight. We got 15 rounds into this some bitch. Let's let them finish. Let them fight. Um, so yeah, it, it was interesting that they tried to like, in addition to having the politicians harassing Drago, they also add an additional angle to this where it's like, Ooh, uh, the referee might be under the thumb of the state as well, and like, it, it's bonkers to think that a Rocky movie would end with like a a, a contentious political stoppage or something. Um, but in in real life boxing, unfortunately, this is a thing that happens all the time. So it's like one of those weird details. It's like I it doesn't need to be there, but if if you follow the sport of boxing uh, as I do. Um, this is not an unfamiliar sight, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, he like very quickly waves off the fight after Drago goes down. And then I could be totally wrong on this, uh, but I seem, I think they changed uh, Rocky's celebration um, because I seem to remember him doing like, a, like he does a little twirl and then he just kind of like puts his hands straight up or something in the theatrical cut while uh, Vince DiCola's take on Bill Conti's victory music plays. Um, but in this version, uh, Rocky like launches himself into the air and Tony catches him and just like, kind of like carries him on his shoulders, uh, very similar to like the end of Rocky three, except for someone's there to catch him. Um, I could be wrong. I could be misremembering, but that's what happens in this version. Um, and then, uh, we get the, the American flag draped on Rocky, just like in the theatrical cut, we get the, if I can change you can change everybody can change uh speech uh largely preserved i don't remember if he mentioned that his friend is dead um in the theatrical cut but he most certainly does point out that a uh, a cool guy i once know is once knew is now dead uh, thanks to that son of a bitch over there that would be drago um i don't remember if that was in the theatrical cut or not but anyway the speech is largely the same um and then, if memory serves, we get a, just a couple of nice shots of uh, of Drago's face. 
Like we get a lot more close-ups of Dolph in general uh, in this version of the film, but during during the speech and after the after the dust is settled uh, in regards to the fight, we get these more intimate angles of Drago, showing that like I think he's kind of taking Rocky's words to heart. Like like he 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 is receiving the message, and it feels like a much more complete arc for the character. Um, one thing that is worth pointing out about that is that uh, Ludmilla, uh, Brigitte Nielsen, uh, aka that big blonde, as Sylvester Stallone's mother herself uh, would refer to her, um, she her her uh, content in the film is heavily cut down. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I actually kind of liked her having some dialogue and being an additional mouthpiece to Drago, but yeah, her her role is scaled back considerably in this version of the film not sure why um i was very very happy to see her in creed 2 um it's a weird it's not even a fan service thing it it's it's like a character thing it's like you know i don't think that narrative would have hit as hard as it did if if we didn't actually have her so that was really cool she didn't have to say a damn word in that movie but she still made an impression that was that was cool stuff that's that is fan service done right even though i don't think anyone was actually marking out <laughs> overseeing her but um curiously enough uh the finale of the movie we don't cut to the the kid at home watching the broadcast on a uh, television uh, on christmas day uh, we don't get a shout out from rocky to his kid as far as i remember um but curiously the the end of the movie is this bizarre lackadaisical um walk out of the ring that looks like b-roll footage like of literally like stallone just trying to get out of the ring during like during a live event or something like it, it's very lackadaisical in the way it's cut together but what plays over it is the eye of the tiger which i am not one to ever complain about you know a playing of eye of the tiger it it is and will forever be one of my very very favorite songs kind of always has been um for fuck's sake i i used to listen to my brother's uh, weird Isle yankovic cd um, the food album uh, just so I could skip to the last track, the the Ryer the Kaiser, uh, because technically I think that was my first introduction to the Eye of the Tiger. But I was obsessed with that melody, and when I heard the real deal, my God, that legendary stuff! That become it's basically my personal anthem, and many people the world over. But um, of course, the original theatrical cut of Rocky IV opens with the Eye of the Tiger, so now we're ending with eye of the tiger when in the theatrical cut if memory serves we ended with a uh reprise of hearts on fire over the credits but instead we we get to listen to like the first maybe even two plays like two two verses of the song of of just stallone and tony and adrian and paulie getting out of the ring and then the last shot is uh their backs in the crowd like not even very far from the ring it, it's a strange final shot and a strange final sequence feels like a simple freeze frame of him curling a bicep with the american flag would would have sufficed but again uh sometimes when you're locked in editing room for a year uh, you start making changes just to make changes not necessarily improvements and this this kind of reeked to that but upside is we get to watch the credits like the credit slideshow uh, accompanied by Eye, Eye of the Tiger. So, uh, 
you, you better believe uh, the girlfriend and I stayed in the theater through the credits uh, for this one. Um, but yeah, that's a. Uh, I think about all I had to say. My God, I, I, I didn't even get to take a sip of water during this recording. So uh, apologies, my voice is all raggedy by now. But yeah, I had a great time with this. Um, I was born in 1987. I've been a fan of the Rocky films my whole life, but even still, uh, I've only had the opportunity uh, to see basically Rocky Balboa and the Creed movies in the theater because I was only three years old when Rocky V came out. So um, any chance I get to see these movies in the theater is a treat. And as I said, for me personally, not only am I a Rocky super fan, um, I also love re re edits of movies in fact uh tales from the tales from the shelf uh is a monthly uh episode that i do on catching up on cinema with my good buddy brad uh from the cinema speak podcast and uh i think it was just last month or the month before i can't even remember if i've done a lot of recording this month folks uh we did an episode called a collection of cuts where we talked about movies in our respective collections and uh different cuts like director's cuts or extended cuts or censored cuts of uh of movies that we owned and uh the whole i was the person who proposed that episode as a concept because like i said it's, it's something that i'm really into it's something i'm fascinated by i'm not frustrated by watching something that is 85 percent the same as something i've seen previous like i i love detecting the subtle differences because i i I digest these things these days with an editor's brain, and it's a fun game for me, especially when it comes to movies like Rocky IV that, <laughs> as evidenced by me talking for an hour and a half by myself without fucking edits, without cuts, mind you, um, I know it like the back of my fucking hand. I can pinpoint punches that were changed <laughs> from cut to cut of this movie. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, but yeah, uh, this was a really fun experience for me. I'm glad I went out of my way to go uh, see it in the theater just for the the big sound system and the big screen plus i had the add bonus of getting to watch my lovely girlfriend uh see a version of rocky 4 for the first time uh we had just watched rocky 3 last night um she's seeing them in chronological order so she's i guess technically up to rocky 4 we could we honestly could move on to rocky 5 uh without an issue as this movie does cover all the major plot points of the theatrical cut but um, it's kind of an ongoing project, me uh, introducing her to films in addition to introducing uh, my co-host Kyle uh, to films for the Catching Up on Cinema project. Um, but yeah, uh, I would highly recommend anybody who's a, who considers themselves a, a, a super fan of the Rocky franchise to check this out, especially for that first half. Uh, the second half, I as I said, especially towards the end when we're getting into the the fisticuffs between Stallone and Lundgren. I don't know if the changes actually improved that very important sequence in the film, um, but the dialogue sequences and the pacing of the first half of the film are, it's really kind of neat what they managed to achieve with that because it really does feel like more consistent with, with the earlier films in the series. Uh, so I, I would call this a much more worthwhile recut than a, uh, the Godfather, uh, the death of Michael Corleone. Uh, no, the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Michael Corleone, which I I watched 
regrettably, uh, very recently. Um, I was talking about that with Brad um, on that episode, Catching Up on Cinema. I took it upon myself to rewatch the entire Godfather trilogy. And additionally, the Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone, which is a uh, 2020 uh, recut of 1990s uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather 3, which is often regarded as not a very good movie. Um, so that was a recut, a 2020 recut of a 1990 movie that I was very curious to check out because that's a ripe candidate for a recut is something that wasn't that great the first time out. And as fate would have it, the thing is barely different. And uh, honestly, I think most of the changes aside from the opening are for the worst. Uh, it is a trimmer film, so it's a breezier watch. Like it, it flows a lot faster. Um, but I would say this version of Rocky Four is a much more worthwhile endeavor than than that Godfather project was. So take from that what you will. But anyway, that being said, I, I've been rambling for far too long. So um, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, anyway, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we're also on the social medias in the form of an Instagram at catchinguponcinema as well as the Twitter, at Catching Cinema, so feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Uh, But that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm